The following message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning worship service. While Pastor Matt is in France encouraging our missionaries, our youth pastor Shane DeLisi takes the helm this morning, preaching from Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 34, in a sermon entitled, Losing Your Life to Save It. Let's join Pastor Shane now. Amen. You guys in Mark 8 this morning? Hopefully. Hopefully you're there already. And uh, like I said, it's a privilege to come up here and, and teach and to fill in in the pulpit. And uh, you've gone through Mark before. You kind of know what Mark's about. Mark's called the action gospel. There's not much lessons. Jesus doesn't give as many lessons as in Matthew and Luke. Straight to the point. Let's get to some action here. That's what the gospel of Mark is about. And when we come to chapter 8, verses 34 to 38, some preachers have said this is like the diamond in the rough, the jewel of the gospel. You've reached the pinnacle in the gospel of Mark here, when it comes to Mark 8, 34 to 38. This is deep. We need to get this this morning. Our Lord is teaching with regard and to inviting, He's inviting sinners to come to Him. So we're going to talk about an invitation this morning. And what it means to count the cost to follow Christ in, in our everyday lives. What does it mean? What's the cost? Are you counting the cost? And here in the text before us are the words of our Lord to sinners, inviting them to come to Him for forgiveness, blessing, peace, joy, eternal life. And this is, this is our Lord's invitation. It's not our invitation. It's our Lord's invitation that says, I'm calling you to a deeper devotion a deeper relationship with me. And those of us who have been in the church for any length of time are used to invitations, aren't you? I've, I've uh, been a youth pastor, uh, gone to many outreach conferences and this or that, and kids are like, hey, let's get you on sugar and then hear a message, right? And that's perfect. Let's get you on donuts dipped in Hershey chocolate mess goo, bite them off a rope, and then hear a gospel message five minutes later. Perfect. And then you hear a gospel invitation. And I, I no doubt, I have no doubt that today, Sunday mornings, all across America, there will be some invitations given. However, very few will probably be like the passage that we're going to read in Mark 8 and the invitation that our Lord gives. Very few. Very few will be like it. I think I'm safe in saying that. This is a standard and this is a model for all invitations. And one that is not always followed for sure. Today's gospel invitation are weak and full of promises that Jesus never makes. Can I say that again? Today's gospel invitations are weak and full of promises that Jesus Christ never intended to promise. Some like to call it, or I don't know, some do, I do, cotton candy gospel. The Bible even says that in those later, latter days, People will come, they will, they will have speakers for themselves that will just want to what? Tickle the ears, that feels good. That's where a lot of our invitations are at today. Does it feel good? Not only do preachers need to understand this invitation, which I take this seriously this morning, but all believers do because we are held responsible, aren't we? You're held responsible just as much as I am in giving this invitation, the gospel message to non-believers, to people in your family, to people at work. You're held responsible for that. We need to be sharing our faith. 
You need to know this as well as I do. And so it's such an important portion of Scripture for us. So we're going to read it. Read with me. Mark 8. Mark 8, 34. He summoned the crowd and His disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for My sake and the Gospels will, will save it. Let me read that again. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And you see, I gave you some... My notes are a little different in your bulletin this morning. Uh, I have blanks. Do you see them? It's where all the beige is, right? It's all the, where, where there are no words, you fill it in yourself. I'm going to give you some, a lot of scripture this morning so that you, what I want you to do is hear God's word this morning, take lots of notes, grab the pen in front of you, shake out your hand if you need to get that thing going, and I want you to study God's word during the week. It's a bummer that some of us just come here on Sundays and this is all we get each week. That should not be true of the Christian walk. That this is all you get from the Lord is on Sunday mornings and reading His Word. Amen, Jim. See, that's why I've never been to second service before. I never get to hear Jim. We have a correlation passage in Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and, and Luke 9. You'll find the same account. This doesn't sound like the typical invitation though, does it, for us? This invitation deals a death blow to man-centeredness, self-centered invitations, where it's all about self. This is not an invitation to health or wealth or fulfillment or prosperity or healing or a boosted self-image or trouble-free living. That's the, that's the best I hear. Things are going to be good. You know, Jesus, life's going to go good for you. Do not ever say that to anybody, please. And if you have, go apologize to them. Seriously. You don't know how many people I find at the mall when I go witnessing, yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, things are going good. Did Jesus promise you those things? Yeah, He did. I'm like, no, He didn't. Crushes Him. But this is the Lord's invitation. It's God's. And this is the one that we must give if we would be faithful to His Word. And we see so much of this health, wealth gospel being preached all throughout America, and people are eating it up. You know that? People are eating it up. God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. Does God's Word ever say that? Thank you. No. Never, ever does He say that. But if you are a true child of God, you know the truth of God's Word and what the Christian life truly represents. And I believe Mark 8, 34-38 is the true invitation of what a true biblical Christian life looks like. A true one. And I want to read you an invitation of the Gospel given by a well-known evangelical pastor here in the States. As I read it, I want, I want to tell you, I want you to tell me what's wrong with it. I'm going to test you guys this morning. And I'm, unfortunately, this, is, this message is being given all throughout America with different pastors and different pulpits. 
and different pastors that frankly shouldn't even be preaching in pulpits because they're not preaching God's Word anymore. They're giving a watered-down, useless, worthless gospel. Here we go. Dear God, this is their invitation. Pray this with me. If you want to receive Christ, pray this with me. Dear God, I want to know your purpose for my life. Do you know who it is? Rick, middle name, purpose, Warren. Right? Let's track along. I don't want to base the rest of my life on wrong things. I want to take the first step in preparing for eternity by getting to know you. Jesus Christ, I don't understand how much, how, but as much as I know how, I want to open up my life to you. Make yourself real to me and use this series, which he's talking about the Purpose Driven Life series. Use this series in my life to help me know what you made me for. And then Warren goes on to say this. Now, if you've just prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to congratulate you. You've just become a part of the family of God. What's wrong? Confession, I heard. Sin, repentance. Hello. Right? Wretchedness. Acknowledge of your... You're, you are utterly helpless without God. Romans 3 speaks about that so boldly. You are haters of God. You can't even reach out to God. God in His mercy and love and grace, He did all the work. I'll give you another one from Him, just because it's fun. <laughs> on, a, on day 7 in His book, and I've, you know, unfortunately, I think our church here went through that. Those are the dark times. <laughs> the dark ages. And I was going to say too, at our old church, I, I went through that book and, and my, you know, Katie and my wife and I went through that and as I look back, I'm like, oh man, what was I thinking? Discernment. Where are you at? So the purpose driven life. He says this, day seven. Right now, God is inviting you to live for his glory by fulfilling the purposes he made for you. Yeah, like God made purposes for me. Stupid. All right. God, it's all about His glory and me living for Him. He does whatever He wants. He didn't say that because Rick Warren probably wouldn't say that. All you need to do is receive and believe. Will you accept God's offer? That's all He says. He says, I invite you to bow your heads and quietly whisper and pray. That will change your eternity. Jesus, I believe in you and I receive you. He then says, if you sincerely meant that prayer, you're like, what prayer, Shane? This one. Jesus, I believe in you and receive you. If you sincerely meant that prayer, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. You are now ready to discover and start living God's purpose for your life. Do you understand weak invitations now? Now, Are we clear on what's weak and what is watered down and what is lame? And this is is God's invitation to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus lays it down here to the crowds and to His disciples. He says, This is what a true relationship with me looks like. And just in case you think this might be a bit too radical this morning, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I would remind you of some other portions of our Lord's teaching. Here's where I want you to write them down if you you want to. Um, I'm not going to check your pages on the way out, you know. Oh, you didn't write that down? That was good. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, he put it this way. Everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Here's the kicker. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. 
And then he says this in verse 34 of Matthew 10. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. When somebody becomes a believer, they immediately are alienated from the people in their own household who reject Christ. Why? You're a new creation in Christ. You have nothing in common in spiritual things at all whatsoever. You're a new creation. You are alienated. Alienated. And so he goes on to say, who loves, who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who doesn't take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. He who loses his life, here's the key too, for my sake, will find it. Jesus said the very thing in Matthew repeatedly. Matthew 10, if you want to read that this week. Matthew 16, we talked about that already. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 27. And then at the end of Luke 9, verse 57 to 62, Jesus basically says this, If you say you want to follow me, but you have any other agenda that is more important immediately than me, then you can't be my disciple. Remember a man said this, he says, oh, I want to follow you, but, but I need to go home and get my inheritance. Oh, I want to follow you, but I've got to go bury my father. I want to follow you, but I've got to go negotiate some things to my family so I make sure I have some money while I'm following you. Jesus says, Leave those, let the bed bury the dead. Come follow me. Be devoted to me. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't start to follow and turn back. He says, or you're not worthy. Don't start to follow and turn back or, or you're not worthy. He's always talking about the price of following Him. I love that. What's the price? Price of following Him. In the 12th, Luke chapter 12, Luke is particularly strong in emphasizing these teaching passages of our Lord with regard to invitations. He says this, verse 51 of Luke chapter 12, Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you, no. Rather, division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, and two against three. Two become a believer, and the other three don't. Three become believers, and the other two don't. They'll be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And again, it is this emphasis that you pay a price relationally when you come to Christ, don't you? And if you haven't paid a price relationally, I'm just calling you this morning just to check where you're at with your walk with the Lord. If you're truly following after Him this morning, if you're like, no, Shane, I haven't paid a price relationally. You might want to check the invitation that you received when you came to know Christ. Maybe you're compromising your faith. Because clearly you're going to see here in Mark 8 that God's commands, God's desire for us, the price is heavy. 
In the 13th chapter of Luke, the disciples pose the question, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? Because they can't see the multitudes following Him. And He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive to enter through the narrow door. This is not easy. Why? You have to say no to self. Deny self. We'll talk about that more here in a minute. You have to say no to family. Have to say no to the things of the world. No to the love of sin. People want the kingdom because it's attractive. Sure, I'll take that. All I need is Jesus? Sure, I'll take Jesus. Along with all the other things in my life, Jesus is in that battle. Take Him with me as well. Jesus says, if that's your view of Christianity, you're not living the Christian life at all. You have to give up everything and come follow Me. Everything. So you need to be willing to say, I'll go to Christ, I'll follow Christ, even if it costs Me my family. And it might even cost you your life, Jesus says. Are you willing to go follow Christ even if it costs you your own life? Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and how many will find it? Many will find the road to destruction. Sorry, you're like, few. What was that? Many will find the road to destruction. It's wide. Few will find the narrow door, the narrow road, lead which leads to life. Few will find that. Look at John chapter 12. You can write this down. I'm just going through these fast. He said the same thing in verse 25. John chapter 12. You better be willing to hate your own life. You better be willing to hate your own life. So coming to Jesus was not easy. Coming to Jesus was not something that you could simply do because you wanted the pluses that Jesus offered. Yeah, I'm living in the world. Yeah, I got my toys. Yeah, my life's going really well according to me. Ah, Jesus, I'll take Him too. Do you see how wrong that is? Do you see the invitation that Christ is giving us? Coming to Jesus was not something that you could simply do because you wanted the pluses. It demanded much more than that. Jesus' invitation was not easy It was even severe because He threatened those who rejected it. Those who rejected it, there's a judgment that comes on the end of our passage this morning. Jesus says, when I come in My glory with the holy angels and you are ashamed of My Father, I will be ashamed of you as well. That was the verse that struck hard in My heart. Because you read it in Matthew and Luke as well. If you denied Me before... Men, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. Do you see the price? Do you see the cost of discipleship? It was hard because the cost was so high. And my fear is that in many churches today, people are not truly following the Lord and they're not truly Christians because Christ is a part of their life, not all of their life. Christ has become something that I can also throw into my life, but it won't be everything. God says, I want everything. All or nothing. I pray that we would not become comfortable Christians, meaning compromise and lukewarmness would be true of us. 
Especially, man, especially here in America. It's so crazy. We fight against that daily, don't we? Let's go back to Mark. Look at this passage real quickly. Which emphasizes this invitation and we'll break it down. Look at verse 34. He summoned the crowd and with his disciples he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now we have to understand quickly some context here. So, so very important. What's happening in the verses just before it? You can look in your Bibles. It's right there. Peter, Jesus is asking his disciples, Who do others say that I am? What are people saying about me? Peter, the one who speaks up most of the time, speaks up. And he says what? Well, if it's to me, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. You are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Holy One, Son of the Living God. Matthew gives us that full statement. And you have to understand, these disciples were following Jesus these, what, two plus years? Going through, thinking, man, this is the Messiah. Could this be the Christ? The one that's going to come and set up His kingdom here on earth? Are we going to rule with Him? What does that look like? What is the kingdom going to look like? And all of a sudden, what does Jesus say? Quickly after that, the Son of Man will suffer many things. Be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, that's the Jewish Sanhedrin, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Context is everything here. These men were like, well, if he's the Christ, and he's a, if we're saying, yeah, who do you say I am? Peter, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, the Holy One. You're the Christ. Well, if he is the Christ, then kingdom's coming? Is that, is he's he's going to set it up? Jesus says, wait, there must be a cross before there is glory. There must be sacrifice for sin before the kingdom comes. So Jesus, speaking the words, the Son of Man will suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, and then He goes on to say, and be killed, and after three days rise again. What does Peter do? No, 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 Lord. Wait a minute. Do you see where the disciples were at? They're thinking, the kingdom coming. This is it. He's setting up His kingdom. Amen. Peter pulls him aside and says, no, 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 Lord. <laughs> oh, Starts rebuking Jesus. Those things aren't going to happen. You're talking crazy. And Jesus says what? Get behind me, Satan. You have man's interest in your heart, not God's. How was Peter feeling then? Get behind me, Satan. I would venture out to say, and this is a pretty bold one, I venture out to say that the disciples and their thought during that time was a very satanic thought. They had man's interests in mind. Because for Jesus to say, get behind me, Satan, those would be Satan's thoughts. God says, you have man interests, not God's. Where are you at? Do you have man's interests or God's interests as you live for Him? Man is interested only in the glory. Man is interested only in the kingdom. But God requires the cross. There will be no kingdom, there will be no blessing if there is not a sacrifice for sin. Jesus Christ had to suffer and die on the cross before glory. So this was the opening invitation. You come to Mark 8, 34, 38, 
And you have three responses to Christ's invitation. Let's look at them. Number one, he told his disciples and those who were listening around him, he says, you want to come after me, do you? Then you must deny yourself. Deny yourself. (laughs) If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. What does that mean? It means some things we probably don't want to hear, but it means to disown, to refuse, to to... to refuse to associate with what? With this old life. I no longer want to associate with the person that I am. Christ and Him crucified. Wasn't that Paul's MO? Christ and Him crucified. It's not about me. It's all about God. Christ and Him crucified. If the person says, I realize my sinfulness. I realize my, I cannot earn this. I abandon my self-effort. I abandon the works righteousness system that dominated Judaism at the time, and that also dominates all religion in the world. Do you know that? It's all works-based. It's all works-based. Which says you can be good enough for God to accept you. That's just junk. I abandon all self-effort. I abandon all self-confidence. But it's more than that. I abandon all self-will. I abandon my own ambitions, my own agenda, my own plans. Welcome to the invitation. And that's just the first, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. He says, but wait, there's more. You're like, no, I can't handle that. Self-denial is huge. This is where we need to start first. The natural, depraved, sinful, fallen, selfish soul in whom dwells no really good thing is abandoned. I don't want any more of that. And when you come to Christ, you deny yourself. John even says, you hate yourself, remember? John 8, you reject all that you are. You see that all of your desires, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all your ambitions were all wrapped up formerly formerly in yourself. This is true conversion. This is the foundation of a new life. The heart sees in itself only what? Sin. Only ugliness and then realizes it must abandon itself if there is to be any hope of a relationship with God. You must abandon yourself. Deny yourself. Giving up your independence. Isn't that just... Our American culture, too, just breeds that. hate that. Giving up your independence. Giving up your trust in self. Your confidence in what you are by nature, you depend on Christ alone instead. You can say with Paul, for to me, to live is Christ. And then in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You You not only, when you come to Christ, are embracing the resources that He provides and gifts that He provides, but you are bringing yourself under His sovereign Lordship. You understand that? You're bringing yourself under God's mighty hand and you're saying, you are Lord, Master, and King. I am your slave. I am nothing apart from you. John 15, 5. You can do nothing apart from Christ. The sooner we get that through our thick skulls, the sooner we'll be living for the Lord. We want to say things like this. You are the Lord of my life. You're in charge of my life. Your will, your desires, your plans, your purposes, that's what I want in my life. 
and no one can come on any other basis. But Lord, I'm going to, yeah, I want your plans too, but I want some of mine as well. It's not going to happen. Yeah, Lord, I, here's some things that I want, some desires that I have, and God's like, I'm not calling you to any of that. But Lord, uh, give it up. For the person, the, the true child of God will say, Lord, it's all about you, your purposes, your plans, your will, your desires for my life. I want you and nothing else. Is that true of you this morning? Paul, you can turn, you, well, don't turn here. Read Philippians 3 this week. I encourage you to read that. Something that you can go to this week where Paul says, hey, if, if you think you can have any uh, confidence in the flesh by means of salvation, I have way more. And he goes, all those things that were in my life that I thought, hey, these things were the self-righteous living that he was a part of. He says, it was all rubbish compared to what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's all rubbish, garbage. You can read that later. Cutting that out real quick right here. You see, you take Christ on His terms. They're not your terms. Here, God, here's my, my terms for salvation. I need this, 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 and this, and this. And thank you. And when you get back to me on that, and life is going my way, then I'll come and serve you. Excuse me? I don't want to sit close to you this morning. If your heart is in that state. I've been realizing more and more in my life, it's a scary prayer. Lord, do anything you need to do to make me dependent on you. And, and I'm going to even bring that to full force this morning as we hear this battle cry of a true Christian to really say, Lord, do whatever you need to do to break me of myself. Right? Is that going to hurt? Yeah, it is. Is God going to get glory out of that? Yeah, He is. You're taking Christ on His terms, not yours. The proud sinner wants Christ in His pleasure, Christ in His purposes, Christ in His possessions, Christ and His sin. That's what the proud sinner wants. But it doesn't work that way. The person who is crushed and bankrupt is so desperate, he wants Christ and will give up everything. I understand my total depravity. I understand that I can do nothing apart from you. I want everything and I will give up everything for it. Matthew 13 speaks clearly to this. The kingdom of heaven is like what? A man who found a pearl of great price and in order to get it, he sold everything. And another about a man who found a treasure hidden in a field and in order to get the treasure, he had to sell everything. So if you can imagine a man over here in a field digging up and he finds this treasure, the best treasure, kingdom of heaven, eternal life, he goes and what? What does he do? I will give you everything. Everything I have. Here it is. I want that. That's the invitation this morning. Lord saying, hey, come, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Is it worth it to you? And this becomes a way of life for a Christian. You're not just crushed and broken and humbled at the beginning, you remain that way. You remain that way throughout your whole Christian walk. Crushed, humbled, broken. It's a remaining thing. It's not just, yeah, I remember when I was six and I came to know the Lord and I accepted Him in my heart in that kitchen, in my house. That's when I became a Christian. Okay, what's God doing in your life now? It's a daily thing. A daily thing.
So you want to come to Christ, do you? You start with self-denial. Turn to Mark 8 again. I'm going to end it here this morning. I don't even know much how, t- how much time I got, but... Way too many notes, by the way, <laughs> than I anticipated for a 40-minute sermon. <laughs> it was just cranking, all right? I told my wife, I said, I got like 10. No, I said, I got like 10, 11 pages. She's all, uh, you got to knock that down Sunday. <laughs> So yesterday we were up in Turlock at a wedding of one of our old junior high kids that we used to work at our old church with, and uh, she got married yesterday in, in the hotel room. Okay, babe, I knocked off one page. One? I was expecting like three, and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do it. So if you want to come over to my house later, <laughs> part two. And he summoned the crowd, look at Mark 8. 34, 38. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So taking up his cross, do you think that the disciples knew what it meant to take up their cross? What did, what did the cross mean? Death by crucifixion. That was just a way of life for them. Cross, death. Cross, death. I don't think it is for us, but it needs to be. Are you willing to die for the sake of Christ? And then he says this, and follow me, loyal obedience to our Father, our Master, and our King. Loyal obedience. It's one thing to say you love God, it's one thing to say you love God and live your life in loyal obedience to Him. God wants His children to love Him. Let's just read verse 35 to 38 as we end our time. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels We'll save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What he's pretty much saying there is, can you gain the whole world and also save your soul? Thank you. I was, I was wondering if that, I could do that or not. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? And then he says this, tag on with that. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, if I can't earn the whole world and even exchange that for my soul, then what do I have? The answer is nothing. I have nothing. So it all comes back to who? Jesus Christ. Come follow me. Come believe in who I am. Repent. Turn from your sin. Verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the Son of Man will also be ashamed of Him when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. That's the message. There's judgment tacked on the end. Jesus says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I want you to be living for Me. And I said this first service, and all these services are going to look different, I'm sure. Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Plain and simple. This is not an invitation for wimps. Christianity is not a crutch. You hear that so much, don't you? I want to hit people when they say that, but love them with the love of Christ. So you Christians, you just have a crutch. And I'm like, ah, ah, hate that. No, this is, this is a powerful invitation. Come follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. 
And guys, we, we may be in a situation here very, 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 very soon, if not already, because I know some of you guys, we talk about suffering in the forms of family, standing up for Christ and being rejected by family. I know some of you guys have, and it's been hard, but God says, be faithful to me, loyal obedience to me, but you may have to suffer soon for Jesus Christ, if you're not doing it already. And are you ready for that? Are you ready? Because the invitation I heard when I read from Rick Warren just at the beginning of this sermon, that does not prepare anyone for spiritual warfare. Do you realize that the Bible says we're living in a war zone? And that 2 Timothy 2, I believe, talks about being a good soldier of Christ? Those are, those are war talk. That's war talk. We're not just prancing through this world thinking, oh, I'm a nice Christian. I'm living for Jesus. He gives me good things. We're in a war. So you better be ready to suffer for the Lord, shouldn't, you? shouldn't we? Are you willing and ready? I think this needs to be our battle cry. Mark 8, 34-38. It needs to be your battle cry. This is who I'm following. This is why I'm following. This is, I'm coming to grips with denying self, bearing my cross, and following the Lord Jesus Christ daily. Are you in the Word Daily? I'm encouraging a lot of your kids to be. And if they don't see it at home, why should they get into it? Are you telling your kids daily that they're in a battle? Are you telling yourself you're in a battle daily as you wake up every morning? Some things to think about. Kind of go from there. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, all glory and honor goes to you. Because you're a God, we're not. Your creator, we're merely your creation, Lord. You are the awesome, glorious God, King of heaven and earth. We give you all glory and honor and praise this morning, Lord, because you're deserving of it. You're deserving of all of us, Lord. And, and the invitation I see this morning through Mark 8 is you don't want bits and pieces of our lives, you want everything. Father, I pray that we would glorify You this week. I pray that we would count the cost. I pray that we'd be bold in our faith. I pray that we'd understand that we are in spiritual war zone daily. Father, I pray that we'd take up our cross knowing that even if it means death, Lord, that we'd glorify You. Stand firm in our faith. Humble ourselves daily, Lord. Come to You. Thank you so much for your word that speaks truth into our lives. You're such a great God and we love you so much. Lord, come and be glorified here in our lives, in each and every one of our lives, Lord, but then mostly collectively as a body of Christ. Be glorified in in the body that you set up here at Rancho Baptist Church, Lord. It's your body. Christ is the head of the church, Lord. We look to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we are so glad that you chose to listen to us today. Our mission here at Rancho Baptist Church is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and who live to reach their world for Christ. If you have any questions at all regarding this particular broadcast or this sermon, or if you just want to know God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to contact us. You can call us here at the church at area code 951-676-2911. That phone number again is 951-676-2911. 
Or you can contact us on our website at www.RanchoBaptistChurch.org. That's RanchoBaptistChurch.org. Trust that you have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you walk with Him.